Welcome into another edition of Locked On Bills. I'm your host today, Kevin Misery. We will be talking about a full Bills-Bengals Game 3 preview. Uh, we had a little bit of it on our last podcast uh, toward the end, but that was more of a high-level preview. Today we'll be going nitty-gritty a little bit, talking a little bit about the Bengals, as well as some of the press conferences and what's going on in Bills Nation. So that will be our show today, and I'm here with co-host Jason Shannon. How are you doing today, Jason? I am good. I'm excited for uh, this dress rehearsal. This is usually the most exciting preseason week of the year, but at the same time, I think the best thing I could come out of week three is nobody getting hurt. We're doing yeah. a pretty good job of it so far, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross my fingers. We want a healthy team this year. I think without a doubt, it's like the number one thing. But And then that's why, I mean, some teams aren't even taking the dress rehearsal seriously, as I've noticed. The Bears pulled all their players. Um, that's just the one I have offhand, but a lot of teams are doing that where – I don't know. I don't know if that's beneficial either. So, I mean, it's glad to see the Bills take it seriously. And I think for the most part, the Bengals will too, uh, by all accounts of all the things I've been reading. It does look like they're fairly healthy at least and will be playing um, the majority of their players. So I think it will lead for an interesting dress rehearsal for probably two fairly even teams. Yeah, sure. I, um, you know, I think the Bengals still have talent. I think they're a pretty hard team to place for this year, but I I think we'll get a decent indicator of it just because, yeah, I think we're going to see most of their team. I don't see a lot of huge injuries. You get a – yeah, I mean, there's not much besides backups. I don't see an injury at all. I mean, I obviously don't – I'm not on their beat, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, and they had had bad uh, injury issues in 2017, so, you know, they're probably just – hoping for the same thing out of this game at this point but yeah I mean we're we're familiar with this team they they got us to the playoffs last year they sure did there is a lot of crossover so you know one thing we're going to start right here at the top on the, on this segment we're going to talk about the bills first um kind of on a higher level again kind of coupling off our conversation from Thursday so first of all Jason I mean you had a you had a couple good press conferences on Friday and uh, I took a lot of good nuggets out of both the coordinators press conferences and I got a little bit more than I normally do from head coach Sean McDermott. Uh, one, one of the most notable, I think, to me was how comfortable they are with their offensive tackles from Dable. Did talk about really not you know, liking his depth behind his offensive line and a couple of interesting notes of, of names he brought up. Of, um, both Connor McDermott and Mo Porter were brought up as really good depth pieces, and they've liked what they've seen from DeAndre Leslie. Um, no notes about Marshall Newhouse, but I mean, I think that that's because that's commonly and and how good Dion's been. I mean, that was another note that they that they did mention. And you know, obviously, every player is going to have their. You're playing Miles Garrett, the number one overall pick. You know, you're going to have a player too. I mean, it's offensive line. You don't win 100 percent of the snaps, but I think that's interesting. I took took a little bit out of that. I, I thought that that might be a position they're trying to, to to find a swing tackle or a fourth tackle. Where when we did our roster predictions, I didn't have a fourth tackle on this team. Um, but I mean, do you find that kind of telling that they're actually a lot more okay with this offensive line than, you know, maybe the average fan or, or media member. Yeah, they're probably more happy with it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're good. I, I think and we've kind of said this from the start that once they made those Bodine and, and Newhouse signings and drafted Teller that they were pretty set with these guys. And I think they're fine moving forward with them. I think uh, they think that they have, eight or nine solid guys and probably guys moving forward to in terms of, uh, you know, the practice squad and whatnot, whether those are guys like Wesley, I think Dermot is still uh, eligible at this point. Uh, Some of the guys have been on the third line. 
I think they're excited about the prospects of a lot of these guys, whether or not that they're good. Uh, we're going to have another week to see. But I'm interested in game four with these guys too, because um, a lot of them won't be playing tomorrow, obviously. I, I mean, I, I think that's the strongest prospect group. I've, I've heard them mention Mo Porter, Ike Boker, uh, Boatger. They really like from Iowa. I mean, a guy that's played well. They like Adam Redman. They really do like a lot of their guys on their third team. I mean, I haven't heard anything about DeBeer, but he's like the only one. They, they really do like a lot of this depth. So I want to see it put together on a, you know, I care about the second team in this because the third team, you're starting to play your Josh Jameses of the world and your Gerhard DeBeers. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in the second team offensive line tomorrow. Yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, you know, you, you'd like to see it. Uh, uh, second or third line just not struggle because it's just so hard to put together. A lot of it's just getting mishmashed or guys are going up and down in the depth chart, unlike the starting lineup sometimes. So you really have a group that hasn't gelled together at all. Probably will never play together, you know, besides a couple guys ever again in their life. So just to see a competent group, one that can do a little bit of pass blocking, it's usually a good indication that you have a few, uh, few good linemen out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've seen the second team offense play really good football. Um, you know, White Teller's been been good. I mean, when Groy's down there, he's been obviously good. I mean, Wesley's had his moments as a second teamer at least. Um, and I mean, so you see Newhouse being okay as a second teamer too. So, you know, I think it's a decent unit. As as you start to sub in those third guys, that's when we're getting into a little bit of what we were talking about, where you start to see some struggles. But I think the second offense, no matter who's been running it, whether it's Josh Allen last week, um, you know, the previous week as well with AJ McCarron. I thought the second, I thought the second unit's been been pretty good at football. So I am, I am really looking at it tomorrow in the third and fourth quarters as well as game four. So that, I think that's a, that's a really interesting position battle to me. I think there's a lot of jobs that still could be one, one, but you're right. Maybe they do already have an eight or nine and you know, we just don't quite know exactly the players on it. Some quick injury notes um, offensively. I mean, I don't think you'll see LaShawn McCoy. He played his like five plays and that's probably about it for him. Uh, that you'll see for him. I, offensively, they're they're fairly healthy. I mean, I think Robert Foster got some type of bang up that that could about do it for him on the roster. I mean, he's playing for the practice squad right now as, you know, kind of your darling spring guy that kind of played well in the early training camp period and then just went out and had you know a bomb of a game in the in the first preseason game. He just kind of just not put it all together. So um, he's could could be a big injury for him and allow a guy like Cam Phillips to make the practice squad instead. Uh, other than that, I think offensively, I, I don't think there's really any injury. So it should be full goal. All, all, all systems go tomorrow for this, for this, you know, one offense. Um, and, you know, obviously led by Josh Allen. So, and I don't, I mean, obviously outside AJ McCarron also, um, which might not have been time for three quarterbacks tomorrow anyways, Jason, right? I mean, you're really doing two quarterbacks on game three. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where the rotation is in terms of if Peterman actually you know, gets in a series or interchanges some series with Allen with the first team if they want to see that look, or if they're just going to go with, you know, two quarters and change with Josh Allen strictly with the ones. Uh, if you're saying that it's just a straight rotation between the three quarterbacks, that's kind of a unfair advantage for one guy to get the yeah, three and a half or two and a half quarters, yeah. two and a half quarters in the most important game with the ones that's, probably uh tipping your hand a little bit and maybe kind of what they wanted to do anyways in the first place so i think it might be and i he's i mean mcdermott the one thing he did say was he wants his his starters to feel what it's like to come out of the the, you know the the locker room if you're going to give him a full week as the starter you would anticipate that means josh allen wouldn't come out or would come out and start and they wouldn't just sit him and put and put you know peterman in at the you know change of half so 
you would have to imagine that he's getting two and a half quarters, whether they keep their starters in another series. I'd really doubt that. Um, you know, but then again, the bills have a lot of, you know, what they keep their one offensive line. Maybe they do. I mean, that's not you know too crazy to assume that, you know, maybe outside of Dawkins that the, the one offensive line would play with Peterman and, you know, Andre Holmes and Rod Streeters and Jeremy Curley's. I don't think that that's crazy outside of McCoy who isn't playing anyways. Right. I mean, that's not crazy to keep your starters in for three quarters. No. And they've done enough rotating anyways. I mean, you're going to, you're going to get normal substitutions anyways with a first team just based on right you know gameplay or whatever but they've really mixed in the first and second units in that you know so-called first team unit anyways so yeah you could see some offensive line starters playing pretty late and maybe yeah it's staying with peterman it depends on what the other team does too because yeah you don't really situations where i mean you don't see a lot of threes in this so yeah you're right i mean i think the other team does play a role you just can't have the other team keeping their first team defense in and spanking your second, third team offensive line, you know. So it's all situational, and maybe that's something, too, that McDermott talks to Marvin Lewis about before the game. I know that that stuff happens a lot. But I they definitely kind do. Of, uh, I kind of agree on when, how long guys are staying in and whatever. It's not Unless, the regular season. So, they, they, I mean, that's why you generally pick teams you have good rapport with. That's why you play Detroit every year. That's why you, you know, you'll generally see a lot of Carolina going forward now in preseason. And you'll see, I mean, if they have a good, good relationship with Cincinnati, you'll see that. And obviously, Cleveland has, you know, the connections there, a lot of trades between the two, two, two front offices. So, I mean, it's generally yeah, four teams I, you, don't, you don't hate playing against. Yeah. Hopefully, the Browns get rid of Greg Williams because I'm just that was him and. Mike Zimmer and whoever just blitzing every play during the preseason and head hunting. So yeah, I mean Mike Zimmer's bad. I remember going to the game. Was that last year? Um, it might have been a couple years ago. Yeah, Mike Zimmer was playing. Like I mean, good for him. I mean, that's how you. I mean, Greg Williams is doing it yesterday too, and it's 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 a little absurd to watch. You, I mean, I I just thought there was unwritten rules about this, especially when teams are resting their players. But you know, Greg Williams is out there. You know. You know, it's basically the, uh, the the championship game for him. So, I don't know. Um, but I think that there's a lot to take away offensively. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see just – obviously, it's going to be just Peterman for, you know, a quarter and a half after Allen. So, he's going to have a lot of time with the ones and twos. I, the threes will get sprinkled in, but you won't see a lot of Robert Foster, Austin Kroll uh, of the world playing in this game. I mean, you won't see a ton of, like, Josh James and Mo Porter. I mean, they did they did say they like Mo Porter, so maybe he gets a couple snaps. But you're not going to – you know, the point being, you're not going to see um, Keith Tobridge in this one, I don't think, more than maybe maybe a series. Yeah, and I think that really has shifted how teams uh, attack these preseason games. Because before, you'd still see starters in game four. They just play pretty be- briefly. But, you know, the last couple of years we've had, you know, Matt Leinart starting or whoever at quarterback – and I think the reason is is that you don't have to cut Austin Prohl or Keith Tobridge or Josh James before the fourth game. Those guys are still all on the roster. So it almost becomes their game where right. before you'd have right. to cut 20 guys just to, you know, before you got to play that fourth game. I guess maybe that's a good thing. You have a big enough roster where you don't have to risk injury for your starters. I think it's a terribly long time to not play football for a lot of those starting players. I mean, you're talking – 14 to 17 days between the the third preseason game and your in your opener I guess that's good time to rest but when you're you're trying to ramp up for the season I, I think that's a bit of a long layoff 
Right. I mean, I think it's a good point you brought up about the cuts. I, since it changed last year and chaos happens on September 1st now at 4 p.m., which is next Saturday. So one week left with this roster uh, before maybe we cut under 53 again, which has happened before. So um, I, I think that is a good note that I'll, I think that they'll keep the second team in exclusively through the third and fourth quarter. Um, because like you said, these guys, two, two B's and, you know, three A's and three B's, they get their time next, you know, call it Thursday. So yeah. I think you, I don't know, once again, a lot of these guys get in the game. So that's why it's okay to play Peterman right after one series from Allen in there, which means you're going to try to defer because that would, I think that's the way to do it is when you get a defer because then you get the opening kickoff, obviously. So you come out of the locker room and then you're kind of on a, on a rotation from there. So rather than starting with the ball and then you don't know when you're going to get the ball back. Yeah. I don't know, that's interesting to me. So, um, Nathan Peterman's going to get a lot of time with guys that are going to make this team. I think mostly it's telling whoever plays a good amount tomorrow, um, I think has a decent shot at making the 53. And then Thursday is kind of the opposite. If you see a vet or a guy in there in the first quarter, second quarter, um, yeah, that's that's a challenge to me, and we'll obviously break that game down in the future. Did want to take a quick to- uh, mention of you know locked on college. All of our college shows are out there now, so go check them out. Some of the best BCS schools. Go track that. A lot of good stuff. To you know, the Bills really they play their draft players. I mean, they've been doing it since last year. This this there's going to be close to ten starters, and in, in my opinion, that could be ten starters based on injuries that start this season. So go check out locked on college editions or all the great shows. Alabama's out there and bunch of other good stuff. So check that out. Getting into the defense real quickly, Jason, before we break down Cincinnati for, you know, the final segment, we'll get into Cincinnati here in the third segment. The second segment I want to talk about, you know, Leslie Frazier um, and kind of his comments about Trent Murphy was the first one that jumped out to me. He said they're anticipating having Trent uh, Monday or Tuesday, whenever their one or two practices are next week before the Thursday game. I don't know. Do you, Trent Murphy's obviously probably not going to get in at any time. And he's definitely been, he's been said by Frazier to be their starting left end. Do you expect him to get some, some fourth game action? Obviously. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to risk injury though. Still with the guy. And so far, my only impression of him is that he missed all of last season and he's practiced for about a week so far. I mean, he must be a heck of a guy because he's left quite an impression. You can see it in the embedded series. You can see it in the press conferences between Frazier and McDermott there other people are you know fans are are talking about how this has a chance to not go so well they're not regretting you know the bills aren't regretting a dollar of that contract so far they see this guy as a three down you know 11 sack guy so we'll see but the guy's got to be on the field again with like the, the the fourth game you get those you know, backups trying to make teams and you don't yeah. necessarily want a guy fresh off injury with an injury history to have somebody gun on him, to have somebody cut block him, you know, running back, whatever. Uh, so, you know, you just want to be careful. Yeah, you saw I, it like I, last week with Kyle Williams who kind of, I mean, you had a, a tight end or I believe it was a tight end or receiver that tried to crack back on him and just kind of got jumbled up and just ended up at Kyle's knees um, kind of got caught in the pile. And that's the kind of stuff that like someone like Trent Murphy probably shouldn't be in on right now. Um, nor, nor should anyone, I guess for that, for that matter. But I, I you, you might need to sit him. I mean, you not, might need to, to say, Hey, this guy we want as our starting left end, which was interesting, Jason, because he was asked about Eddie Yarbrough. Can he shift to the left side to kind of start there at over Shaq or, you know, kind of a rotation. And, you know, Frazier just basically said, he maybe, but Trent's going to be starting. So 
uh, that, that was an interesting note. I've never heard, you know, kind of it that bluntly, you know, we don't get that a lot of the times from McDermott. So that was, that was interesting. He said that they're going to focus on the run stop, which was great because Jason, we talked about that last show about that is one thing I definitely want to see is can they just stop a, you know, a, a number one team's running game. I don't care if it's the preseason. That's a good place to start. And he, and he alluded to them start uh, signing star and intermain obviously. And, um, being the, the big points of why that they're going to be able to stop the run. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. And I, I think a lot of it's gap integrity. I mean, Matt Milano cost about 50 yards on his own last week. So, um, we'll see if, if they really do come out stopping the run, um, tomorrow. So, and Vontae Davis was brought up as a guy that they, you know, that's still the only new piece to the secondary, um, a guy that's, I guess, starting to really play well. And, and they've also focused on Taron Johnson's, you know, role at nickel and Siren Neal's focus at safety and a blitzing in the box kind of guy. So I, I think it's safe to say that Johnson probably is a head up on this, on this nickel game. And Neil probably has a head up on that final safety spot we talked about. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think secondary is pretty close to done. I, th- yeah. I think there are eight or nine guys in the secondary that are on this team. And I think there's probably one spot for a guy, whether it's a cornerback or a, or a safety to do it. I mean, I guess it's probably a corner. It's yeah, probably a fifth cornerback corner. spot. Like- because Marlowe's going to be getting a spot, so yeah, I th- I I think we're keeping five safeties. Yep. Uh, a lot of teams don't do it. We've even had years where I think we've kept three before before kind of signing somebody because it seems like we always have like a fourth UDFA is sort of just floating around in that spot. I, I think we're keeping five just based on on Neil's talent, and I think it's going to be you know Pitts and Wallace and Borders trying to to squeak out one last spot for maybe a fifth cornerback if we keep one. Um, the, the, the front seven is, is interesting because I do think that it is the, it's the one defensive line is the one position that I said that this is set. We got our eight guys, whatever. I don't know. Now with, with Cal Williams, it's probably another D tackle spot mm-hmm. out there, whether Hatley or Walker are going to make it. I find it interesting that, they have Matt Boson listed ahead of Mike Love and Ryan Russell still on their official depth chart. I'm not sure how much integrity that has at this That's point. A, that but is interesting, though. That, but the fact that they have Fide and Boson ahead of, of Love and Russell Who is... Who many would say are better, Love and Russell. So that's, uh, Yeah, that's certainly those are, oh, are the two I'd take. So maybe those are just guys going for practice squad sc- spots. Maybe they want to keep five DNs. Uh, you, know, you don't know about their special team's ability, really. And then the linebackers, they just got to step up. I think the three starters are probably the starters, even though I haven't been happy with Milano so far. But definitely those backup uh, linebacker positions. I don't think we've mentioned the retirement of Keenan Robinson on the just, show yet. We're just going to. Yeah. Um, it seems like maybe that makes the position more clear. I guess it's really just one less guy. I think they're going to keep six guys. So you're, you're really talking about a, a, three out of four guys out of Lacey Stanford. Humber and Vallejo are going to make the team. I'd say Vallejo's probably on the outside looking in as far as that goes, but maybe they want to keep the younger guy rather than sort of those uh, veteran, lower-paid linebacker sort of guys who are more known for special teams. Or they could give it to a Woodson Luster who might just be a straight six linebacker special teams guy. Um, sure. Which this, this unit, they have done this before at this unit at the linebacker spot. With That's what Lacey really was claimed from last year. As you know, when, when I originally caught under 53 and saw their waiver claims, one of them was Dion Lacey and Kyrie Lee. 
Uh, Kyrie Lee has obviously been coming on strong and been a really make a push for that third tight end role. Uh, can block. He's been a pretty good waiver claim. Actually exceeded my expectations. I thought it was a poor way to cut down to to sign Kyrie Lee. Same kind of similar style on the other side of the ball with Deion Lacy. They they waiver claim Deion Lacy. Um, didn't do a ton in Miami was a pure special teamers, but now was, I guess a core fourth or fifth linebacker on this team. I think his spot is fairly safe uh, outside of a disastrous week here. I mean, he's, he's fairly safe at that Ramon Humber is another special teamer. I think is safe, Jason. I really think it's between a, a Stanford and a Vallejo. I mean, I think that's your final, final battle. Um, so do they keep the vet or do they keep the guy they drafted? You know, that's something to watch for tomorrow. Who gets in the game sooner, who plays more, who looks better, um, as well as game four, I'll be telling on those two, I think, right? I think that's a final battle. Woods and Luster, maybe if they're doing that special teams again. That would be my guess. I, I'd say Lacey's probably the safest of those four in terms of getting a yeah. backup role. I think Humber probably still is. I mean, he's actually like a previous regime guy who's, I mean, there's must only be like two of those left, but right. uh, I guess that minimum a Whaley guy. Teams. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying they don't, even though he's been on the team for a few years, I don't think they have any real ties to him where he's any better or worse off than Julian Stanford or Deion Lacey to them. So, I mean, uh, the other thing to notice is saving three, 400,000 here and there. I mean, I I think they do kind of look at that as the final roster and who plays special teams, obviously, but like a guy like Lacey, you know, you're pulling in 555,000. So is Tanner Vallejo five, you know, really borderline salaries. Um, So I, I think that that could matter when you're, kind of figure out your final cap. Woodson Luster is on a $555,000 salary. So, I mean, really the only player that's sitting there that, you know, not on that is going to be Julian Stanford, who's going to carry a little bit more money. Uh, actually, Julian Stanford, Jason, is making $1.4 million. So That's relevant. Yeah. If you're really saying that he's going to be your sixth linebacker and guy who runs down on special teams, you might start thinking that Tanner Vallejo sounds a little right. better as an Woodson idea. Woodson Luster is 5-5-5. Five, five, five. Um, Woodson Luster. I know you're pushing that. He was in your uh, he was, surprise he was. guys to make I the team. He plays special teams. I don't care where he is on this exact unit. Um, I think he's a special teams guy, and I'm, I'm interested. He made a play last week, so I'm interested to see he makes another special teams play. I don't know. He could be sitting there at that sixth spot and saying that 1.475 that Julian Stanford's making is is awfully expensive when you can keep me at 555. Um, same with Vallejo, though. I mean, Vallejo has a legitimate shot at this. They drafted him. They like him. He's in on the second team a lot. So I, I, I it's going to get interesting. I mean, Keenan Robinson left the door open for a, a legit final linebacker battle between a special teamer and a guy that, I mean, you're paying 1.475 for a reason, Jay. I mean, they think he can play in this defense. Yeah, for sure. I think it's probably a little easier to call now, but a little more interesting with this, with the Robinson retirement. I think it just, it's going to come down to two guys or maybe they keep seven. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really one of the only battles between that and the defensive tackle on the defense. I really think there's one D tackle spot. Um, might have to pluck from my, my guy, Mike Love might not be able to, or Matt Bozen, who I haven't seen a ton from. Ryan Russell might lose his spot because you need to keep, you know, Walker or Hatley. Um, I, I don't yeah. think you can keep, you know, five and five there, especially if you're going to keep Neil. Um, you're going to have to go 40 ends, I believe, you know, especially, and that's pretty, lock, you know, rock solid. But if Murphy isn't full strength, then they got another spot there that they're going to have to pluck somewhere from. Maybe, maybe they go, you know, limited, I don't know, five linebackers. It's possible, right? I mean, if you're not going to activate them on game day anyways, I don't know that you need six of anything. So, We'll see how this roster shakes up. Tomorrow is a big day to kind of get into that. And Thursday as well. Watch Thursday. I think it's interesting to me. So I do 
I, I, that's, that's my note is check out Thursday. You can tell what vets are on the way out. You you tell, you could tell it the last year you're with, who was it? Was it Manny Lawson? Um, or was Manny Lawson, was he still hold over, held over? Or was that two years ago where he, was uh, two years ago, he was playing in the four. God, he seems game. like so long ago. I know, but yeah, you could totally tell in that situation. What was, what was going on there? Really? It was confusing at the time, but I guess it's, it's obvious. He was kind of like Lorenzo it. at the time, like a guy that was like your third starting line, you know, your third line. It was line probably back. similar stature, yeah. Yeah, at the time had played some good football at times, but I, that, was a, that was an interesting one. So that's kind of what you're looking out for in the fourth preseason game. Jason did want to talk, talk a little bit about Cincinnati before we get off here. We talked a lot about them offline. There are some interesting crossovers of this game. You have Cordy Glenn's, uh, you know, their starting left tackle, who they traded on a, on a trade swap of a second-round pick value as well as Preston Brown, their starting middle linebacker, who gets to go home and you know, wants to prove something for the Bills not you know, giving him more than a one-year one option that they, they gave him that apparently chose Cincinnati. But, and, and a good defense. You know, we talked offline. I know they have a couple of defensive ends you're interested in and, and could come, come to fruition and get Michael Johnson cut. Um, so that, that's, there's a lot to watch for. Their offensive lines – or excuse me, their offensive line and offense in general leaves a little bit to be desired. So yeah. – you're, you're going to start Andy Dalton and, you know, probably get into Matt Barkley, Jeff Driscoll time outside of AJ Green. I mean, they're kind of rolling with a mishmash of receivers like the Bills, you know, a first round burner and John Ross and Tyler Boyd, a, 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 you know, playoff Tyler Boyd, um, really their number two receiver, a, a right side of the line that's, that's needs some work and failed draft pick on that side. I mean, secondary that they did uh, cut George Ioka because they like John Williams and Jesse Bates, but I think needs needs a little work to me personally. They do have some decent corners, uh, even though I'm not personally a fan of William Jackson. And I'm, I, I don't just, I don't just blindly hate <laughs> since then they do carry a few players. I don't, I don't love, um, but th- that front seven is decent. Yeah, for sure. I, the, the defense end group's definitely interesting with a bunch of young guys. Obviously they have Dunlap and then maybe, Michael Johnson, who might be on the way out, but Jordan Willis, sort of a guy that I didn't love, but was a really, really great combine that kind of propelled him up and actually played pretty well as a rookie last year. Sam Hubbard is a guy that I think was pretty underrated in the draft process. I think he could be a pretty good player from Ohio State. And then and then Carl Lawson, who definitely flashed big signs of potential as far as a pass rusher goes. Uh, so that could be a real decent challenge for our tackles, for the backups, for – Jordan Mills, you know, whoever, I, I think they have a really good group of rotating DNs. And I believe that's like, they only have those five on the roster. I'm looking at it right now. This might not be a good depth chart, but I don't think they're carrying a bunch of guys right now. So that's really it. They're set on them. And then if you look at the defense tackle group, I think that's another group that could challenge the interior line, which obviously fans think might be a little sketchy. Geno Atkins is one of the best in the league and Andrew Billings who got drafted Last year or two years ago, he he's a, a big, big guy just kind of rounding into form right now, no pun intended. Uh, yeah, he's so, yeah, 16-4. So, um, 16-4. I, I thought he was underdrafted there, but he's definitely a pure nose tackle, fill space sort of guy. So we'll see. I, I, I think the defensive line, I like the secondary a lot more than you do, even though uh, they have Jesse Bates back there who – uh, was drafted? Is he drafted this year? Yeah, yeah he was drafted. Too. Yep, yep. That's what I thought. Uh, I thought he was a really good prospect for the free safety position, and apparently, you know, Aloka was um, 
they thought he was maybe slowing down a little, but definitely was getting overpaid. I think I don't know if he's signed with anybody yet, but he definitely will. Yeah, Minnesota uh, right away with the Dimmer. So okay, yeah, I, I didn't know with his contract if he was going to get claimed, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely probably still starting safety for a bunch yeah, of definitely. teams in this league. So, but they're going to give Bates a shot right off the bat. So maybe that's a guy that we test going through. But I think the cornerback group is definitely high on talent. Uh, Denard and even Drake Kirkpatrick have had their ups and downs in their careers, um, but are both for, former first-round picks. I think William Jackson's really good. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting defense. I could see the situation where maybe our offensive line struggles a little bit because I do think they have a bunch of talent there. But if we can block, uh, I, I think that our running game, you know, you could see another big game out of Marcus Murphy if we really get things done and get down on the second level because I think there's some – things that can be exposed in the linebacker group too with um Nick Vigil with Preston Brown is obviously you know his strengths and weaknesses uh perfect I think is going to be under suspension so I don't know how much he's going to play uh you know to start the season uh Vincent Ray's hurt so yeah I, I think there's places that we could exploit but at the same time it, I think the defense will be a, a challenge for this offensive group and especially the offensive line yeah, I mean, and their offensive line still – they were going to get challenged by our defensive line, so it'll be similar. If they, have sure. a lot of, they have a lot of guys that had, had off of bad seasons. Bowling didn't play great. Cordy obviously was hurt and banged up. Hopkins and Hart, are they starting right side under – you know, PFF doesn't like them at all. Um, Billy Price is obviously a rookie at center. So, um, you know, it's, they're going to get challenged too. So we'll see how it works out. And obviously, you know, PFF's one of their least favorite players is John Ross. So, you know, he's got a little bit to prove as well. So – uh, I think he was like their, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of their last ranked receivers. Um, yeah, if he didn't didn't lose to Jose Jones, I, <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know how he like, wouldn't. Because it's like Corey yeah, Coleman kind of for them. He had, so. I mean, he had an injury filled sort of crazy right. season. Down to them talking about moving him to cornerback, like crazy, in his man. rookie year. I think that's insane. And I watched that guy. I think if he's healthy, he's going to become a good receiver. He's just got too much talent, but. Um, yeah, I mean, year one did not go well for him. Right, and I mean, Kirkpatrick coming off a 63.5 PFF score um, as well. So he had a downer last year. Um, Williams kind of had a downer. Bates is their higher-picked safety, you know, picked 43rd overall, if I'm not mistaken, with their second. So fairly high praise there for him. Perfect always plays solid football when he plays plays a sport. So uh, yeah. whether you like him or not, it's another story. You know, Preston Brown, we all know well. <laughs> um, uh, he can do some things well, but will leave a lot to be desired on the field. And obviously, this is just a wrecker in Atkins. They are playing defensive tackle. Um, and Billings with the 45.7, Jason. PFF did not like Billings at all. Mm, they don't know how to grade no- nose tackles yet. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he, cool wasn't, he wasn't great, but you see the same thing with Star. They don't have any idea what to make of nose tackles. No, Besides no, no, no. that, they've basically determined that they aren't important, which they are. So Right. They'd rather have a gap-penetrating guy. Um, and Dunlap, 70, 77.4. So they do like Dunlap's eight-and-a-half sacks last year. And, I mean, the Bengals – do take their third and fourth round on defensive linemen. It's, it's a strategy that's worked with Atkins in, in 2010. And um, once again, they took Billings in the fourth. They hit Sam Hubbard and in I, the third. And I think all of those guys are guys that – it is an interesting draft strategy because I think all of those guys were rated way higher than when they, they, were, they yeah. were taken. 
and Sam Hubbard kind of so, like their, their Harrison Phillips, I believe. Yeah. Like that's kind of left defensive end, third round, kind of same thing. Both were pretty much second round picks. Um, yeah. And they they did the same thing we did. They took Hubbard in the third. We took uh, Phillips in the third as, as guys that were probably ranked higher than where they went. I mean, especially Phillips in 96, Hubbard dropped two. And last they year, were, Carl Lawson, 17-4. So. Yeah. No, no it's, I really hadn't thought about it like that, but that is a very – Interesting strategy because yeah, I would it's say like that falling defensive lineman. Uh, right? I would say everybody but Willis, pretty much. I mean, going all the way back to Dunlap was a guy that I believe had that situation too back in the day when he was drafted. But uh, I fell to the second. I remember him being a first round player. Yeah, so. for sure. But so. yeah, you could definitely say that about Billings, Lawson, and Hubbard. You know, for sure, were guys that dropped further. And I think it's just trying to you know usually that's guys drop because of character concerns or whatever and i think it is finding guys with with talent over you know you know ignoring some of the negatives that other teams seeing guys and it worked out with some of those guys you know, yeah they take Boston. their first first and second round receivers for as, as a general obviously they took looks like offensive linemen they take some first shots on with with a couple of their players they they'll spend it on offense but defensively they do not draft um first round picks often they, they do at cornerback but not really anywhere else on their roster yeah I, I think it's a good strategy yeah no i mean they they don't they skill positions corners and then everything else is you know third through fifth um on, on their on their roster so it'll be a good battle it'll be a really heartwarming story you know dalton will probably get cheered and he'll feel good and he's he's donated some stuff to rod as well which is great um, so, you know, that, that's cool. And, and Boyd, you know, talks about even his charity got some money for, I think youth football. So that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's pretty cool. So there, there's going to be some crossover stories. They'll, they'll bap each other up and it'll, it'll be cool. And generally a, a, a team that we don't have a lot against, but there are some competition for that small market. Who's going to, you know, wow the world with being a good small market team. So sometimes, you know, between bills and Jacksonville, for instance, you know, you get that competition. Um, and it's funny. <laughs> Jacksonville is so dumb. It's funny. They're man. so just becoming my least favorite fans in the league. I don't know it's what they're, they're Florida fans too. Yeah, so. I think bills fans would be annoying too right. for other teams, but we just have this, this biggest small teams. market complex. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about those Harper stadium. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just don't know what it is about Jacksonville. I guess, yeah, they feel like they have something to prove. But, you know, you got to start talking before you're 12 and 4 or whatever, or it just seems ridiculous. Right. I mean, at least Bill's friends talk before they were, you know, <laughs> 9 and 7. I mean, they did. They... Or just support your team. Right. I, I didn't see Jacksonville fans on Twitter. Whatever. I, I think you guys are annoying. Just, you know, you've replaced Browns fans as the annoying small market team. oh by far yeah and since so, then so he's kind of sitting where we're and back to where we are there are definitely some annoying cincy fans but so are there annoying bills fans yeah back to the point of them being about on the same level as us both now skill wise probably they're probably similar and both fan wise and and what they're trying to do they're in a division with pittsburgh we're in a division with new england so it's small markets etc they're pretty passionate there you know we're obviously passionate here in buffalo so i think it's a good matchup it's a good preseason game to always put on your schedule if you're not playing them in the regular so Interested in this game? Lots of news and nuggets, Jason. We're really action-packed show, man. Just to preview the game, we're able to, to get a really big show out of this. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes. Please go check out all the college edition shows. Lots of good stuff out there to kind of get, get ahead of the curve so you can learn about some of these falling defensive linemen that a team like Cincinnati picks. Go check out those locked-on college shows to kind of get ahead of the game. And as always, check out the game tomorrow. as Thursday as well. Jason, what an action-packed show. 
I'm your host, Kevin Nasseri, and that's Jason Shannon. Thanks, guys.